you don't have to tell a kid to play, to jump, to climb. They, there's a lot of like innate understanding of movement that I think children have, to be completely honest. So you don't really have to explain to a kid that like we're going to play floor is lava and like the the imagination is there, you know, and because the imagination is there that usually facilitates the movement and, and there's not much thought or even, even ego. Sometimes there's not much ego or, or any reasons for them to, to not, there's not apprehensiveness because of social, you know, constructs. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to learn who they are, what they do, and why they do it. This episode is with Christian Anderson, Exploration, Influences, and Creating. Christian Anderson's unique interests are wide-ranging, from martial arts and weapons training, to parkour, to art, to creating his own weapons and training setups. Christian shares his inspirations and process for learning and creating. He discusses teaching, landscape architecture, and his specific influences and role models. Christian unpacks his personal martial arts, weapons, and movement practices, and how all of them are creatively interconnected. Christian Anderson is a parkour coach, athlete, teacher, martial artist, and movement artist. He created his own parkour teaching program, pursues weapons training, and is an artist in other mediums, including drawing, music, videos, and bladesmithing. Christian earned his bachelor's in landscape architecture at North Carolina A&T University. For more information, go to moversmindset.com slash podcast. And as always, thanks for listening. Christian, thanks so much for inviting me into your home. I, I go through a ton of effort to like drive and travel, but I'm super mindful of how like it's not every day you want to invite random people with piles of recording equipment into the middle of your kitchen, you know? (laughs) So, uh, I, I really do appreciate you taking the time and I'm really delighted when like, I don't know you very well, but we had a chance. uh, I was going to say train together, but that makes it sound like you were training and I was training and I could even keep you in sight. It was more like I was in the newbie group and you were leading the coaching (laughs) for the newbie group. And I had a really great session. It was super fun. Cool. We had the pleasure, I would say of it raining on us. Like, uh, rain training is kind of rare and it was just a just enough to make things wet and slippery and super fun. But that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Cool. <laughs> so uh, when I start, so we obviously I do a little bit of like research and I, I like try to figure out what should we talk about. I never have any idea what everybody else wants to talk about. But mm-hmm. when I started like looking at the things you're doing, I don't want to say like, oh my God, you're all over the place. But there were so many things that you're doing. Nope, you're right. <laughs> but all over the place is, is like superficially trite. It was like, yeah, all right, you're doing Wing Chun against a dummy, but you built a dummy, and it's not just like slapped together. Like the the build video for the dummy is like really thorough. Mm-hmm. And watching, I don't watch a ton of build videos, but if you watch a build video, you can just check the box for this person is detail-oriented and thorough because, you know, like it's hard to build things, but to film it, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. oh, the camera's in my place. Oh, it fell over. Right, right. Oh, it isn't this. Or how do I cut it down? So... I'm just wondering, you have, it looks to me like you have a knack and we talked a little bit about how you can pick up, I'm going to say new skills Mm -hmm. by reading about it or seeing it or, or asking someone about it. And do you, have you always had that? That's like a superpower. If you can just like watch and learn or read and learn Mm -hmm. without somebody, you know, like showing you really clearly to me, that's a superpower. Do you, have you always had that skill or do you remember 
discovering it or when's the first time somebody went dude that's exceptional yeah yeah i don't know that's that's kind of not sure if i've truly thought about it like that quite yeah i've um i mean i've always been a little bit more like artistically inclined i've like i said i I draw a lot so um i think that has helped even from like a young age with like being able to visualize things Mm. and i think that being able to, to exercise your mind's eye like that can, I think, help with certain creative endeavors like that. It's almost similar to like meditation, how sometimes people have a hard time trying to clear their mind or trying to focus on one thing. I think it's the same way artistically of being able to visualize what you want or what you're trying to do. Whether that's whether that means you're using images that you've already seen or whether that means you have an image in your mind, I think that's part of part of where I think that comes from. Yeah. I just, I, I do think I, I have an eye for certain things like that as far as like trying to d- dive deep into the right. details of certain things, but I don't, I can't really trace a route. I like that. That makes sense. <laughs> so while you were talking about seeing and like having an eye for certain things, I'm picturing like the title. I, I'm, I'm a visual person. Like I have to, when mm-hmm. I try to recall words or people's names, I have trouble. The, you did a reproduction of it's not actually a gunfight, but of a of a fight scene from a western movie. Right, right. And when I looked at when I saw the wet, like a, I'm not a western nut, but I've seen a ton of westerns, and I'm not sure that I've seen that movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what was the name of the movie? Um, it was the Magnificent Seven. It was the remake of Mag- Magnificent. Oh, Seven. maybe I didn't see that. So I'm just wondering what about that scene. Because it, it, first of all, it's really cool the way you did it. I'm not going to spoil it. You have to just go to the YouTube channel and click on the link. <laughs> Appreciate and it. Then, yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> but what what about it? Like, okay, so it, it's a big movie, right? It's like two or three hours long, right. and there's tons of movies, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you've like seen tons of things. But what about that scene caught your eye? Mm-hmm. Because then I can only imagine how much work you had to put in to like it's basically shot for shot for right, that right. scene. So, but what was it about the scene that caught your eye? And like, how how often does that jump out at you like that? Right. So I'm a martial, like, it's probably been made clear already, I'm a martial artist. So those type of dual scenes are, like, iconic mm. for martial arts right. movies. And uh, that one in particular, there's a reason why I really like that one, because I want to do some other ones related to it. But um, I'm not sure if you're mer- familiar with uh, Kurosawa films at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, yes, uh, okay. Rashomon, Seven Samurai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Seen yeah, them yeah. all, yes. So, like, I, too, have a martial arts background. <laughs> nice, nice. So, okay. So it's a bit of like a um, a nod to, like, like the Seven Samurai, knowing when to give up your ego and, yeah, and understand that you lost, you know, or else it could turn bad for you. So it's just like the Seven Samurai was inspiration for the original scene that was in Magnificent Seven, it's almost like full circle back around to the remake of Mag- Magnificent Seven, which is another knife throwing scene, but it's with a different character, right? So, um, and I throw knives too. So it, it was kind of like a nod to all of that. And it's something that you can kind of pull off on your own. I'm just, I'm throwing one thing as opposed to, uh, I guess, sword fighting another person. Right. So I can do it independently. But uh, there's certain attributes of the buildup, just the cinematography, all of it yeah. that I just love across the board, whether it's samurai films or Westerns or Kung Fu movies or, you know, that type of the, the intensity and emotion behind a conflict between just two individuals, two spirits, you know, is it's really interesting. So, yeah, I, I assume you've seen my brain just jump to um, 
and I have all the visuals, and I have to find all the words. Mm-hmm. My brain just jumped to an old Japanese TV series about the blind uh, Zaituichi. So old, the old, I assume you've seen all the old Zaituichi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love I love that character. It's probably you can find some of it on YouTube. I think I streamed a lot of it off Netflix, but I don't know that it's there anymore. And there are some episodes that are hard to get. Right. And, and it's just basically this, I'm going to say, a bumbling little guy who's blind. And uh, in the beginning, I was wondering, like, is this dude really blind? No, I really, he really is blind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's got a walking stick, which, is, has a, which has a sword in it. I forget the Japanese term for it. There's a term for a concealed sword. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of walks around and bumps into, well, literally bumps into people and things, but bumps into experiences. And just, I never really figured out, I don't think it was implying that he had, that there was a main through line or he was just, it was just this guy and he's uh, a masseur and he travels around and, and does his thing. And there's, the scene, where, you'll probably remember this one. There's a scene where he's sleeping like in a flop house, you know, on the Tommy mats, and there's like nine people in the room and they're just laying in their kimono on the floor. Mm-hmm. And there's a fly in the room and it's like lands on him. And I think it landed on his nose, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and he's just like, he's making these little noises. And then without, without like the slightest hesitation, without a wasted motion, he drew, draws his sword and cuts the fly in half in the air yeah. and puts the sword away and lays back down. But everybody else in the room woke up and they were all like, like all of a sudden yeah. there's a commotion. They're yeah. all like running around and he's just like, oh, I'm trying to sleep here. Yeah. You know? yeah. like, like, like all I wanted to do was kill the fly. And I woke all of you up with my sword play. Yeah. And I was actually reminded of I'm trying not to spoil the, what the video is about on okay. the YouTube channel, but when you, I was mm-hmm. like, it reminded me, I, I'd made a gesture so I knew what I was referring to. You <laughs> have to go watch the YouTube video. The cons, the concision, is that a word? The concision of motion. And then after that, when I watched the, I don't want to say, uh, say sword flow, not sword play, the sword flow video on the dock. Mm-hmm. And that was like, ooh, there's a lot of subtlety in there about grip and foot stance. And I can just see that you're, you're interested in like do something and then, well, was that, can I do that better? Can I, can Mm -hmm. I change it? How can I, how can I like perfections achieved when there's nothing, when there's nothing left to remove, not when there's nothing left to add. Mm -hmm. Is there a, I'm wondering if there's a place where that, what I call the superpower before that, like you spot it Mm -hmm. and then you're able to like assimilate it. So in that case of that movie, you spot that scene and then do all the work to make the thing. There are a bunch of ways that that could be, like pretty straightforward it's not easy but it's straightforward to do Mm -hmm. what you did with the video and but i'm wondering are there are there situations or times where you've had that power take you to something surprising or it's worked out in a really unusual way Mm -hmm. mike i I was just saying the dummy that was done the first and we we don't mean like (laughs) we mean like a a martial arts dummy my dear wife the dummy right (laughs) (laughs) the first like half of quarantine like the first year of 2020 or first half of 2020, I wasn't even going to make that video. I mm. said that in the first like 15 seconds of the video. And um, I, I have a hard, like hard time with like getting out of my own way sometimes when it mm. comes to creative stuff. So I'll like, we, we were talking about imposter syndrome before I'll create something and then I'll start to like second guess myself or like want to try and make it better instead of just letting it be. Mm. And in that video I shot from, beginning to end just the whole process and was talking to the camera the whole time and um i didn't have a perfect you know image in my head of what that was going to look like in the end i had a general idea of what i was trying to do but it turned out like it's kind of interesting how like when you're making art or making things you're like 
I kind of want to do this. And then when you do it, it's like, oh, wow, I did what I was thinking. It's like, <laughs> like you would be surprised otherwise. But yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised how, not only how well it came out, but how well it was received. So that was kind of, you know, honestly, even now the video, I'm getting comments on it. It's semi, semi-viral. I don't know what you would consider viral, but a lot of people seemed receptive to it. So it, that's one of those type of surprising moments where it's like, I was like really close to just not even doing it, you know, and I just kind of <laughs> let it happen and it, it worked out in, in, a, in a good way. So that's, that's one moment in particular, but I'm sure I could think of others as well. Do you, how, how do you, right, so I have, I don't, I kind of have shiny things syndrome, you know, like this, well, like the uh, chasing the, the next thing, mm-hmm. but more of the problem I have is the ideas I have consume way too many resources or, and you know, time being one of them, but that's not the, like there's the time and there's money and there's raw materials. And to do that, I have to drive an hour and I have to get the thing to bring it. But it's like, blah. Mm-hmm. how do you figure out? And I'm guessing that you have the same, like just more ideas than hours. Yeah. How do you figure out which ideas in, you know, in your head, which ideas are going to be like, that's a thing that I, I want to do. And like, clearly this one, the idea of like making that as a video that surprised you. Mm-hmm. So how do you dial in that sense of this like be prioritizing? Well, like, should I do this or should I do that? Or, you know, I could probably work on like, okay, I'm doing two knife targets and I'm like, what, you know, doing three is like, okay, we're going to spend months on this or however long it took. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering like, how do you decide? No, instead of doing that thing, I'm going to do this thing over here. How do you tune that sense in as far as like projects yeah how do you how do you pick like Like you wake up with Um, 12 ideas how do you do only three of them gosh tell me about it yeah i i go through moods and i think that's i've talked to a friend about this recently actually when it comes to like uh like add and adhd and stuff i'm i think clinically diagnosed i remember when i was younger i think but it it checks out completely yeah because of the things that i have to deal with now older so i know how to deal with it but like i think that's one reason why i'm way more excited to do many different things. Mm. But uh, I think that helps in a way because I can kind of split my attention to do a couple different things. So to answer, I, I'm in certain moods to do certain things on some days and then certain moods to do some things on other days. So for example, if I've been doing like pretty heavy parkour or something like that on a certain day, I might think oh, I'm kind of I want to loosen up. I want to trick. I want to. I want to roll on the ground and do right. some kind of floor work or something like that. I want to. I want to climb. I want to. You know. So it kind of gets to the point where it's like the variety is the spice of life. You know. Mm-hmm. So that works in the exact same way when it comes to artistic endeavors. So like, if I'm making a video related to, I don't know, building something, I might want to make something else that's more just of a compilation of movement. Mm-hmm. You know. So um, it kind of it definitely depends on uh, I guess my mood at the time there are a few i guess set things that i know i want to do like there are like i guess high value targets that i want to hit that's a good phrase yeah but um yeah there are ways that i kind of can like give myself breaks in between to to recharge my focus Mm. if that's the best good way to describe it because if i focus too hard on one thing for a long time it it could be something i genuinely love but you can kind of get like creatively drained from it to be able to step away and then do something else, draw inspiration from it or, or start a new project there and then go back. So you can kind of bounce back and forth between the projects and that is splitting your attention, but in the same way, it kind of can help you recharge. 
Yeah, but it, it sounds clear that you're you're getting a significant amount of deep work in on different things. So it's not like you're the distracted squirrel <laughs> kind of thing. What do you do? Do you have certain habits or places, conceptual or literal, that you go to to recharge? Oh, yeah, definitely. The, the, the woods <laughs> is a big one for me. I honestly started to realize that way more when I got older. Maybe, obviously, I'm not like super old yet, but like 25, maybe, early, mid-20s. Yeah, I um, I genuinely like just wandering off into the woods. I think, honestly, think there's roots to this from my childhood, to be honest. So um, my my uh, middle school and my high school were within walking distance, and um, I used to use a greenway to get there. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that greenway was literally a pathway for a lot of things that I ended up getting into, whether that was like wanting to get good at like kind of bushcrafty type of things or parkour or... Uh, even even my fiance that I'm about to marry, I, that's she, that was the route that I got to her, you know. So um, because of that and it being in the woods, that place kind of has a bit of solace for me. It's a bit separate, like even even if it's just a small patch of green, having it separated from a lot of the bustle of regular man-made, I guess, infrastructure, it gives me a bit of like a recharge. So that was one of the big draws of being like here, honestly, is having some green space, some green space. Yeah. So I'm um, hiking, even if it just means getting to somewhere there where I can kind of disappear into the woods, you know, yeah. it brings a certain amount of peace. So definitely being alone in and of itself can help me recharge. That's, that's where I go. It's usually, I mean, maybe with a book, maybe yeah. just, you know, for breathing or some seated meditation or something, but yeah. like, yeah, yeah, a lot of it is uh, like unplugging from the energy of others. Right. I think is like, right. First of all, congratulations on getting engaged. Thank you. Um, Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> the uh, As you were talking about how, where you go to recharge, I'm like nodding along, but nobody can see that. I think that it's there's there's wisdom when one demonstrates, when you finally figure out, okay, this is how, you yeah, know, yeah. this is how I work around my dysfunction. A, this is how I work around my dysfunction. B, <laughs> right, these right. are the things that set me up. These are the things that make me happy. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people ask me, like, you know, <laughs> I was talking to someone about what I'm driving. You know, I have to drive around all these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm several states away from where I live, so I have to drive down. And somebody said, do you like driving? Which is a brilliant question, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how often would you ask a friend, you know, like, you, you might say, how do you like the area? Or, you know, do you miss home? Or, we, but, but to say, like, do you like flying in planes to somebody who just came across the Pacific or whatever? Right. It was a really good question. And I was like... Well, I, don't, I haven't really thought about it that way. I don't yeah. dislike driving, but I realized that what I do like about driving, and I, I swear I'm going to ask a question, what I like about driving <laughs> no, is okay. that it, it, it's it's a, an away place. Right. So, you know, decades ago, I used to get mad. You know, mm-hmm. you get like, hey, cut me off. And then it's, well, now I'm not disconnected. But in my little rolling box with my favorite musical right, mix, right. I can, I mean, I'm paying attention. I'm not like a death speeder on the highway. Right, right, I right. set the cruise control and I'm, I'm interacting, but I get to just be myself and relax. So to me, I like that you're, that you're able to be intentional about, mm-hmm. you know, disappearing and that you've understood that you, that you, I th- agree with you, that you understand where that came from. Like right, here was right. the seed for that, for that attraction to those spaces mm-hmm. yeah no yeah i agree same like honestly driving as well i i honestly i talked to a couple of people about this as well i hate driving like midday <laughs> <laughs> when the sheep will come well, out yeah, when, <laughs> yes when there's just, like people like yeah there's more than enough reasons to be like frustrated by the time i get to where i'm going but um nighttime nighttime driving especially either like 
if it's if it's inner city, like late, late, like yes. three, It'll roll all the windows down, everything's dead quiet, yes, and you're yeah, just yeah, like yeah. rolling through, yeah. like you're like you're invisible or something. Yeah, or the highway at like at night, like the highway, you can usually get away with being alone with not as late, but yeah. if you're in the city, it needs to be like three. For yeah, I rolled out of Durham downtown Durham at like. 1130 the other day i don't know what day it was mm-hmm. i had had dinner with somebody and then as i'm as i'm leaving i'm just following the computer you know and just like make a left turn make a right i'm like yes yes okay fine i'm just following the voice you know coming mm-hmm. out of the inside of the vehicle <laughs> with all the with the windows down and and it was surreal because i at first i didn't realize that i had driven into this the part of durham that i was in had a nightlife not mm-hmm. not super big but there were people right, right and i drove into center city or whatever it was and it was more like a business district mm-hmm. and you know half of the traffic lights are just blinking you know yellow and red you figured out and it was just like nothing I just drive yeah. wherever you yeah. want and i had a flashback to that it was really cool and i, I got halfway through it before i realized how cool it was and i put the windows down <laughs> um, yeah. yeah it's a fun what's your what what springs to mind when i say favorite road trip you know it's funny as as like a my fiance, we go through, well, she goes through phases where she wants to do a hike like every week or every weekend rather. And um, most of the time I end up, the way it works is I sleep on the way there <laughs> and then I drive on the way back. Mm. So I don't, as much as I like a lot of those trips, I don't really remember some of them. So I guess I would say some of the favorite trips is the one that I went for, went to Florida with some friends. And that was like a nine hour drive. And the only reason why I say I think I like that as my favorite trip is because it kind of gave me like a level up. <laughs> like it was so grueling to just like be in the car and like have to switch and like, like just being in a car for that long. I call, is it, I call it road loopy. You're just like, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like being in the car for that long and then going back, I think, yeah. I feel like I, my driving tolerance <laughs> leveled up somehow just just through that like trial, you know what I mean? So yeah. just because it gave me something, I think that would be that and the being with my friends in yeah. Florida, Florida was yeah, good. There's a big, there, there's like two kinds of road trips. There's like, I'm driving somewhere and I'm just so excited about where I'm coming from or where I'm going to. And then there's like the whole, you know, the music's blasting, somebody's singing off key, people are throwing, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Swedish fish around. Oh, the, there's not another that one. I'm describing it. another one, sorry. No, no. <laughs> Uh, so I'm I'm a bit of a geek, um, if it's not already clear by the things that I like. But um, I uh, we we go to a, an anime convention sometimes, um, and I was leaving with a friend, and there's like a party, like a rave type deal that happens just about every the Friday and the Saturday of that weekend, and uh, we decide that we're gonna leave and go home. And uh, oh no, it was actually it was me, me and my fiance. So we're leaving and we're going home from Raleigh, driving home, but we're like beat tired because it's like we just left. A whole day, right? Yeah, from a whole day of just like interacting with people and playing and and then, then we just finished dancing and all that stuff. So we're leaving and uh, I'm like getting so tired, like like borderline falling asleep at the wheel. Right, and you're the, and I'm you're like, the home to the night, at night driver. Right, right. And I'm like, I'm telling uh, her, I'm like, I'm, I'm like getting tired. I need you to help me like <laughs> slap stay me. awake. Yeah. <laughs> and it got to the point where like the windows were down. She was yelling at me, like, like actually hitting me. I was like yelling myself just to like get like some type of energy from it. Like it was like if somebody rode by while we were driving. Rolled by grandma in a Buick, right? And she's dialing 911. Yeah, if somebody rode by while that was happening, like she's like smacking me. I'm yelling, like shaking the car just so I can like 
get some type of you know awakeness. So that was really a really funny memory. So that was a funny funny drive back too. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I love, I love stories. Stories are the best. When people tell stories, it, it really, you know, shows you who they are and their, mm-hmm. their mannerisms come out. And that's, I think it's fun, but that's, I, I haven't had, I don't think I've ever had my wife slap me. I mean, <laughs> intentionally driving the car, I've yeah, been hit, yeah. but I've never, I've never actually asked to be beat while driving <laughs> yeah. an automobile. I was like, I need something. I have tricks now, so I know how to get through yeah. it now. Like, but during that time, I had nothing, so I was like, "Please help me." <laughs> and it, it's definitely the definitely the road hypnosis does it because sometimes I can distinctly remember, like, "All right, if I don't pull over, I'm going to fall asleep." I'm sure the micro sleeps are already happening, and mm-hmm. then you pull in the rest area, and you're like, "I'm not tired." <laughs> yeah, it's like, what yeah. am I, what's wrong with me here? Yeah. So yeah, back I've, on the road, now I'm sleepy again. Oh, for crying out loud! Yeah. I've gotten good at like uh, what I do now is if I know it's going to be a long drive and I get tired, I uh, I either <clears throat> if I can, I try and pack either hot sauce peppers of some sort like jalapenos <laughs> so it, i can like taste it or eat it on the way and that usually wakes me up or i'm, I'm making I, scared eyes and you're like <laughs> oh my god that's nuts <laughs> or if i need to i pull over and do yeah. like a few laps yeah. i'm like running but yeah i have been spotted in rest areas doing burpees or push-ups and and on, it's particularly funny because the average human in a rest area doesn't even know what a burpee is, let mm-hmm. alone able to, you know, it's like, it's like you do five, like do five burpees on a curb or something. And they're just like, what does he do? Yeah. <laughs> what? And they get back in the car and drive away to you know, wash your hands, and drive away. Oh yeah. That's funny. I know that you recently coached, cause I, I mentioned this before you recently coached at ARDV. And one of the things about this most recent American Rendezvous, um, which happens in Somerville, just north of Boston, I, um, I've been to, actually, <laughs> been to all of them, apparently. <laughs> That's a thing now that I'm, I realize I'm wearing the shorts. Did you realize I have yeah, the shorts? This <laughs> I was like, hurts. oh, right, yeah. I have the shorts on. <laughs> but what I was going to say is some people have asked, because a lot of people are like, what do you think of Rendezvous? Not, not me particularly, but you hear the conversations. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are about, I, I noticed that, I'm trying, I don't like to say nasty or bad things about other people, but without all the foreign coaches there, it's not like I don't, I love all those people, Mm -hmm. but because it was all people from the States, I kind of felt like there was more, I don't know. The Americans are like, we all hate each other, but, but like it's us against the world kind of thing. And Mm. it was just something about all these different people. Like I would have never met you in person, maybe until I come down here, but there were just like coaches from Boulder who... I don't want to say they're not like top tier, but they're the people that I would never have met, but right. they had the opportunity and they took the time to come. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if you're, what your read on, cause I'm not asking for inside coach dirt, but like you have a different <laughs> view because you're on the coaching staff. Right. I'm wondering what your view of the event was because it was almost entirely, you know, I don't want to say us cause then it's like us and them, but people from the States. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I thought it was um, interesting as well because of that. I also, don't have much to go off of <laughs> because that was like my first rendezvous, believe it or not. So I've, I've had experiences with other coaches, usually the North Carolina batch, like, like Alan. Yeah. It's, it had a different energy. I think in the sense that it was like, we can find, I guess, worth amongst ourselves or like without yeah. having to feel like we're reaching for something exotic just because of the geography, you yeah, know, or, or that's what's expected by the attendees. They yeah, might want exotic. Yeah. In this case, it's like, sorry, not sorry. You yeah. can have exotic this year. Right. So I think that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And I already said, I enjoyed your session. It was super fun. I hope I didn't. It's like, you're talking about imposter syndrome before. I'm like, Oh, I got a million examples of my, myself with imposter syndrome. And one of them was 
you know, you gave us some really simple vaults to do. And of course, mm -hmm. I've obviously you figure out real quick, oh, you've seen this show before, right? Mm -hmm. So I was doing the progressions on a railing where the drop is into the trough. So I, I right, found right. a spot where it was water and not rocks. I'm like, if I fall in, then I'm only stinky. Okay. And then I kept like being slow back to the group because I wouldn't notice that you had like called in for the next section. So every time that I realized I was like odd man out, I'm like, oh, I'm the asshole. And I would like <laughs> scrape that go with it. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be like a, a way here doing my own thing, but that was where the challenge was. Sorry. You know? and, then, no. and even Alan got sucked in yeah. to like training. And then he wasn't sure, like, should I go circle up and listen to the mm -hmm. coach or should I continue training? No, so, I appreciated that you, you, you took on the challenge of yeah. trying to do it over that side. Yeah. It wasn't much of a challenge. People listening, it's like, you know, Craig's parkour spirit animal is the tree sloth. So it wasn't, it wasn't much of a challenge, but it was a challenge for me. Do you, so, um, like, no turn signal, hard right turn from the left lane. Do you find that it's challenging to teach children? So you teach, you're currently teaching parkour in under the auspices of a gymnastics center. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that derogatorily. I'm just saying like people all now, now they know. Yeah. Do you find that kids are easier or harder to teach? That's a good question. Aim to please. <laughs> <laughs> in some ways, yes. Uh, they are harder. No, some I was going to say, yeah, harder. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. Ways they in are some harder, ways, yes. Just leave it like that. No. In some ways, yes, they're harder. In some ways, they're way easier. You don't have to tell a kid to play, to jump, to climb. They, there's a lot of like innate understanding of movement that I think children have, to be completely honest. So you don't really have to explain to a kid that like, we're going to play floors lava and like the, the imagination is there, you know, yeah. and because the imagination is there, that usually facilitates the movement and, and there's not much thought or yeah, even, even ego. Sometimes there's not yeah. much ego or, or any reasons for them to, to not, there's not apprehensiveness because of social, you know, constructs, at least for some of them, when they get a little bit older, that yeah, starts to change. Adolescence. Oh, yeah, here we yeah, go. Right. Yeah. With that said, movement wise, I think they tend to be, like sponges. I was talking to a friend of mine recently how I was uh, I was going over what I call Webster Falls, Webster Falls to help kids understand how to do Websters because I feel like Websters are probably the easiest way to learn how to do front flip to be completely honest other than just a regular punch front. And um I have some of them doing them off onto a um, from a box to a mat and just falling onto their back. And by the next week I had some of them already landing them. And some of them are already doing them like from height. Hmm. So that like people say it all the time that like kids are sponges. And I think that is 120% true. Even when it comes to like schoolwork and stuff like that, if, if it's brought to them in a certain way, they just suck it up. Hmm. With that said, there is the attention aspect. <laughs> that is a huge, huge thing for kids. Keeping their, their focus and keeping their interest and making it exciting so that they want to do it because if they want to do it they'll they'll truly like try and truly learn from it there's a i'm not sure if this is a, a new concept or anything like that but um whenever you have whenever i have uh, a student that is like super into superheroes or any other type of fantasy realm in any type of way and i can tell that they're really into it i try and tap into that and apply it to the training, honestly, because that's honestly where I think some of my passion came from when I was younger is wanting to be a ninja, wanting to be, a, you know, a Jedi, samurai, a samurai, right. you know, anything like that. And as soon as you have like a an image of what you're what you're trying to be or what you're, or even what you're emulating, if you can like step out of yourself 
and be like, I'm this now. Like I'm no longer Christian. I'm mm, right. I'm now this, this lone identity. samurai in the woods. Like mm. you you automatically don this certain kind of posture. So it works for kids as well. Like as soon as I see a little kid's got Spider-Man shoes, I, I call them Spider-Man. And for some of them, they light up. It's like, I'm, I'm Spider-Man. And so I'm telling him that. And then as soon as he, he knows that he's Spider-Man, he's doing plyos that are way bigger mm-hmm. than he was doing a second ago. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So absolutely. I, I 120% think kids absorb and apply that spirit. Not that adults can't do that. I think it's just harder for us to get out of our own ways when it comes exactly to that. the respect. phrase I was thinking, and you mentioned that earlier about getting out of your own way. Yeah, yes. yeah. So obviously adults can understand the the more technical side of it. I can talk about philosophy. <laughs> yeah, we I can plan. Yeah, we <laughs> can, can say, pl- let's stop jumping today so we can jump tomorrow. Right, right. <laughs> we can plan, we can understand application, we can understand like why conditioning is good because I know that's a, that's a really hard thing for my kids to really like doing is conditioning. And they, you can you can explain the depth of the discipline with an adult, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the the flip side of the coin that a child may not get. But yeah, I think there's 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 obviously good on both sides, but definitely, yeah. What's the favorite Kurosawa movie? Oh boy, <laughs> I, I don't have turn signals. I just <laughs> you ever see the you know the rabbit like all the rest is me. <laughs> Oh, that's a hard one. I don't know if I could answer that question. Yeah, I know. That's a hard one. I have the same birthday as him, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel special because no. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, I don't know. That's a hard one. People are like, who? I'm only doing this because it means we get to link to Kurosawa movies from the episode notes. Mm -hmm. I'm a particular fan of Rashman Gate just because I'm also a film nut. So I think. You know, because we know what it is, but like the one sentence description is somebody gets murdered, right? It was a, a traveler's traveler family. It was yeah, a, a yeah. couple. Did mm-hmm. both of them get murdered? Um, or just, the, I think it's just one. One of them gets I murdered. Think, yeah. So there's a murder at like a small shelter on the side of the road mm-hmm. called Rashomon Gate. And there are four or five witnesses, multiple witnesses. Yeah, multiple witnesses. And so. the story is just them each telling what happened. <laughs> and it's like, the, um, yeah, did it's you like all, a murder mystery yeah, kind did of you deal. all witness the same thing? Because it's completely different. And so yeah, it's, it's yeah. like the very first, literally the very first film mm-hmm. to explore the subjective nature of memory mm-hmm. and also the slimy side of people who, you know, lie for reasons of their own. Yeah. But that that's a great one. Seven Samurai is really, yeah. aw- that's just like that's a classic. classic. Yeah. You have to either, just. I was thinking either that one or um, I think Hidden Fortress. Have you seen that, was that was that was honestly, I think, the first one that introduced me to samurai cinema in mm. general. It was because I was so I would go to the library with my mom and just like get a book, we're gonna read, you know, that type of deal. <laughs> and um, I would go get a book and then I would go upstairs, like immediately. Upstairs is where they had all the VHSs and mm. you know recordings, of music you could you could rent or uh, you know uh, yeah, check bottle. out. Yeah, and uh, hidden hidden fortress was in there. And uh, is, is that that's Kurosawa, right? I I think so. I'm getting mixed my up. brain. Yeah, I know. My I'm brain is running a million miles an hour because there is my favorite. Because what I wanted to say next is, do you have a favorite samurai film? And I have a favorite one, but I can't think of oh, the name man. of it. That's an even harder question. <laughs> that <laughs> opens it even further. Name two. It'll start there. Um, hmm. Have you seen? So I was gonna. I almost spat out two at the same time. Harakiri is one, and thirteen. Assassins is another thirteen one. assassins. Thirteen assassins. How to Kitty? Like, I don't. I don't recognize the title. Mm. Um, the one that I'm thinking of. I'll just do it the hard way until the title comes to me. 
the Toshiro Mifune plays an old, he's actually the, I don't know what the proper title for him is, but his job is to procure all of the weapons for the Shogun. So that's like his, his role within the organization. Mm-hmm. And there's a younger, you know, so these guys are all samurai. Well, they're, they're not actually samurai. They have a master mm-hmm. and they're, there's like a little bit of a political thing between him and somebody lower down on the food chain, but he's old, not ancient, but old to the point of just like, I'm, I'm not fighting. Like, it's just, dude, like, let's just all do our job and get along. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a wife who is the only Japanese actress I have ever seen actually play a shrew. Like, you know, like a, like she's great. Mm-hmm. She nags on him constantly. And the whole thing's in Japanese with English subtitles, of course. Mm-hmm. And he has, I'm going to say like a good for nothing son who really isn't a good sword fighter. I mean, everybody's pretty good, but he's not good enough to really be in the favor. And mm-hmm, the, it's just mm-hmm. this whole thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to spoil it. So if you don't want to watch the movie and like, just like <laughs> stop listening. So the spoiler is he's basically no longer really interested in life. He's just sort of like not checked out, but just, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. And his son who he wishes would accomplish something falls in love with a concubine of the shogun who's been kicked out so Mm -hmm. she shows up in his house where his son lives with a baby the shogun's baby and the whole movie revolves around he is transformed by the love that the couple shares so his son and the daughter they can't get the son and the girl they can't get married Mm -hmm. but they care for the baby and his he like his heart like reopens to this love that blossoms in his house Mm -hmm. and then the shogun wants the baby back Oh man! Yes, <laughs> there is a fight scene with a kiddo like, and it, the I don't know. Do you want to know how it ends? I'm not gonna. You know what? I'm not gonna tell you how it ends. I was about to say the fight scene <laughs> in the movie is not the end of the movie. There is an ending that, like, if it if it doesn't get you in the feels, then you know I know it'll get you in the feels, Christian. But the people listening, if it doesn't get you in the feels, you're not hooked up right. And I cannot think it's it's like. It's like last battle or something. You know, you're like, huh? And then the mm-hmm. whole first half of the movie is like, there's no action. You're like, yeah. what's going on here? Um, but the characters are are really great. And just to see, like, if if people know who Mifune is, he, he tends to play the Japanese guy, you know? And in this one, he's just sort of like this really calm, plain dude. And then at the, end, at the end, they piss him off. Yeah. But the ending, it does not involve him killing the Shogun at the end. It has a completely unexpected ending. It's just so great. And I wish I could think of the name of the movie. Yeah. I'll have to... Big for that one, yeah. Well, well, well I'll find you, as it. As soon as you said Mifuna, I thought of like Yojimbo too. That was another one. I yeah, Yojimbo is good. It's was. not Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Which mm-hmm. always makes me clutch because a piece of software called Yojimbo, and I have no idea why. It's nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Craig's brain, right? <laughs> Craig obviously has ADHD. Uh, you know. Yeah. All right, so halfway through, what about? Sometimes I want to make it clear that you are allowed to, you don't have to ask me a question, but you are allowed to like, if you're now wondering about where I get ideas or things like that, you're also welcome to like, you know, <laughs> turn the physician heal thyself. <laughs> What's something, other random questions, where are there, are there places, let's say in the States that are, you know, reasonably reachable? Are there, is there any places in the States where you would love to go coach? You know, or even, oh, I'll go there and train, like whatever, you know, I, just to get me there. to train, yeah, yeah. definitely. Coaching? anywhere to be honest <laughs> i just like coaching but uh knee-jerk response for training is uh seattle because mm. uh i did a project or at least i did a um a case study in uh, undergrad for freeway park freeway park 
Um, are you familiar with that? Yeah, I'm, I haven't been to it. I know what it is. And I'm going to say, have you talked to Colin? I think it's Colin McDonald. I interviewed, hoping I'm getting it right, because he just went into landscape architecture. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rob told me and Alan told me about him, actually. Oh. <laughs> now you yeah, have three yeah. data points. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. But yeah, that, that whole park, honestly, it was designed by one of my, the, my favorite, I guess, designers, mm. uh, Lawrence Hopper. And um, his whole like thought process on it and the way it was built and all of it. It's obviously had problems because of because of the way it was built, danger and some crime in the beginning of it. But um, but no, yeah, I love, I completely love the way it looks and the way it's designed, and it looks like a dream. It's a mixture of like the the hard angles and uh, yeah. modern kind of look, along with trees and greenery and all that type of deal. So I, I love the way it looks <laughs> and potential for falls. <laughs> yeah, potential falls. Yeah, so. which the parkour people love. Like, look at all these beautiful jumps and climbs and ascents and descents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the the, the man the is all like, like "Wow! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yellow tape! Yellow tape! Yellow tape! Okay, like, I got yellow tape right here. I got special scissors for that." <laughs> What, and I don't mean this like in a negative, incredulous way, but what okay. was the inspiration that led you into landscape architecture as? So, and, and it's kind of interesting because you only connect dots looking back when you, rather than looking forward, right? So I'll, I'll preface this by saying that my, my mother's a gardener. And it's funny because for the long, longest time, she's a pretty avid gardener. For the longest time, I wasn't really interested in gardening. <laughs> so is my wife. She goes, hey, look at this whole plant. And I just go, food? You know, and tip my head like a dog because that's the only plants I care about. Ones I can eat. And then she'll go, no, these are poisonous. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but um, yeah, so because she so, was so avid in gardening, I think, again, that planted the seed. I wasn't, I wasn't the one that was like always out there with her, but I occasionally joined her. So I understood the need for it along with, so I knew that it was putting food on the table, one. And I understood just the nature of being able to work the land is, is, a, is a good you know attribute to have. But going into school, I wanted to go into engineering, actually. I wanted to make stuff. So I, I went in for electrical engineering and I was like, I'm not sure if this is exactly what I wanted to do. Like... I thought I was just going to be making things. Obviously, that's what engineering is, but it's a lot more than that, right? Easel, um, design, and electronics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I was like, I'm not sure if this is what I want to do. I was like, okay, maybe this isn't what I want to do. And I was like, I'll switch, pivot. And I was like, I'll go to earth science. I was like, because as much as I was like, I want to make stuff, I was very much like, I loved environmental science when I was in high school. Took it twice because I had a great teacher. So I was super into the idea of earth science, environmental science, that type of deal. So I switched to earth science. And when I went to the department, the agriculture department to switch, there was like a plans and sections uh, and drawings on the wall. Mm. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but, but how that's, do I do that? But I want that. Yeah. yeah. So it was a mixture. What I really was looking for was a design major. So I ended up Finding out that that was landscape architecture is a mixture of both of what I was kind of looking for, the design creation aspect, along with the earth and yeah, integration, you know, integration right. architecture, you know. So a little bit of the technical along with the artistic and being from what I realized when I joined the major is that landscape architecture is so like holistic with their approach that it's like almost perfect for someone trying to like pull, you know, information from several different sources. So. Yeah, as soon as I went in first, I was going to go in to do earth science or geology. And as soon as I went in there and saw that, I was like, Mm. that's what I want. Switch to landscape architecture. So, yeah, I switched there immediately. 
was was probably one of the best choices that I, I made while I was in school. I, I note that that story is powered by exploration. Yes, now absolutely. I'm like, hmm, I'm sensing <laughs> this all the way through. Do you remember, are there any figures, obviously your, your mother is one, but any figures that jump out to you that you were maybe they were the inspiration for your sense of exploration or like, you know, are there any people that you point to and say, yeah, that person used to do this and everybody thought it was weird, but that led me to do mm-hmm. you know, the things that I do now or mm. no, no, nothing leaps to mind. Not, not anybody in particular. No. Yeah. I think I've always just been curious like that. <laughs> we need to interview your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she, so that's, and the, I, yeah, you're, you're very right. Cause she, one thing that my mom, I think I've realized and I love her to death because of it, especially now, she was more than welcoming to just the different things that I was like into. It's even when it got to parkour, she was like, terrifies the crap out of me, but like, <laughs> here are some shoes. Stop sending me videos. Yes. Bring water, <laughs> train with the person, you know, yeah. don't get hurt, that type of deal. So she always has kind of liked helped facilitate my mm. endeavors, my exploration. So I would, so in a sense, yeah, her, she, she has at least helped, helped me cultivate it by, by not cutting it down. Yeah. Not, not pushing against it or riding the brakes. Yeah. Know. Yeah. But anybody else in particular, I don't, I don't think so. I think I just kind of draw from, from anybody, whether it's movement or anything. So for example, and I, this is kind of weird and abstract, but like my brother, for example, was a football player. And I decided I wanted to get into football because he played football and didn't realize that I like really didn't like football. (laughs) I don't like getting hit in the head. Well, see, that's the funny thing is I liked the training. I liked the camaraderie. I liked the intense training that happened Mm. before, before games, Uh, the practice basically. Yeah. And I liked the, the, like the rallying kind of battle cry that happened before the game, but I didn't really care for the game. (laughs) So I liked, you know, the intensity of everything. And it kind of helped me realize what I was really, truly looking for in a practice in a way, mm-hmm. which kind of in, in some ways you could say it's parallel to what happens at like gatherings like rendezvous and stuff like that. So so him, me following him helped me find something else as well. Or even like my my uncle is like a, a very like handyman. So like he stayed he was in was in jail for a good amount of time for for a portion of his life. But when he got out, he lived with us. And um, because he lived with us, he was like doing everything around the house just to like repay my mom. Right. So he was like mowing the lawn, fixing the shed, <laughs> fixing the drywall, like everything that needed to be done, he would do it. And I think that gave me another eye for like building and wanting to be that, like creating and mm. maintaining, whether it's the earth or house. So like, him I have pretty fond memories of him like cutting wood to to um fix our shed and that type of stuff I think sticks out in its own kind of way so yeah so in a weird way drawing from every little experience without even really realizing it but kids are sponges (laughs) kids are sponges (laughs) the 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 images that you're that you're painting there remind me of the so in in the French, they would say, be strong to be useful. Right. I mean, they say it in French, but in English, it's be strong to be useful. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's, it's like his, his activities were sort of demonstrating that. And I don't know whether he actually ever said it or even right. he was even thinking that right, kind of thing. Right. He wanted to just like, I owe a debt or, you know, I feel compelled. Mm-hmm. But once you, uh, once anyone, once you 
I think say, get bitten by the bug of like, don't just be strong, but be strong to be useful right, or, right. you know, whatever the verbiage is in your head, mm-hmm. have a code of honor. Once you get that bug, it's a self, not self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like that pumps you in an upward spiral sort of way. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, you, you probably don't remember ever not being that way. You're probably like all memories are related to, this is interesting. I'm going to draw from that. This is interesting to draw from that. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, so I definitely resonate with that, that saying, I don't know how far back, <laughs> well, maybe, right. as, maybe as soon as I heard it, I resonated with it, to be honest, but no, I absolutely resonate with the idea of being strong to be useful. And that probably, probably like resonates with even my mom gardening, you know what I mean? Like something <laughs> simple as that, you know? So <laughs> the rabbit just arrived. Oh yeah. So often this podcast is powered by coffee and or dogs. Today it's powered by rabbits. <laughs> the rabbit is I've never met a friendly rabbit before. So the rabbit came out of its hutch, came across the floor, and without me realizing it, started playing with my ankle. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you have any make me think of mantras so like I have a wristband that right? Do you have any like go-to phrases or visualizations or practices like so you know in case of emergency break glass you know so i go to this and i know i know you go outside and you go for walks but like do you have do you have things that are tattooed or do you have posters or like do you use visual reminders oh yeah as well as um, spatial i have a um i have a, a vision board in my my kind of office computer area and have some posters in there not not a ton i have a, i used to have way more we we just we're kind of new house owners, so we've been here for like maybe a year and a half. Congratulations. Thank a you. second time? <laughs> Thank you. But definitely, I um, I think imagery and having some type of, uh, I guess, vision of things, like a, that's kind of, not to get off, off topic. Uh, <laughs> but there are no topics. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Similar to what I was talking about before with the ideas of children and having a, a superhero or something to focus on. Um, the way I like to describe it is like a totem. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good word to use, but kind of like a, um, a image, uh, an effigy kind of, of, a, of what you hope to embody in some ways or hope to, yeah, embody. So I have, I have a vision board. It's just a, a, like a collage of, of images and quotes and things that I hope to continue to get better at. Mm. Some of them are related to design. Some of them are related to training some of them are related to just like you know just personal growth and development yeah relationships yeah yeah yeah. and then as far as posters i i try to like rotate them out sometimes so for for example right now i have like i said a vision board and then i have two posters or two pictures one's a one's a picture frame and one's like a foam core poster on both sides of where I have my swords hung, hung up. And one is Leonardo, <laughs> the Ninja Turtle. And, but it's done in like a uh, kind of old, like Japanese artwork kind of way. Right. So it's not just like a regular comic picture, but it's like, it's depicting him almost like in feudal, like kind mm-hmm. of feudal Japan, kind of like the way it would be done on a, you know, on a, any other type of scroll. Yeah, or a wood block or, or something. Yeah, or yeah. parchment or something like that. So Leonardo, and then on the other side is another character named uh, Yoshimitsu from a game, Tekken. So both of them use swords. Both of them are fictional. <laughs> but um, Leonardo obviously is like a, a, a leader and he's constantly trying to be better. But at the same time, he's a bit like self-deprecating about some of the things that he can do. And, you know, there's a 
there's there's work to be done there to to become what he hopes to be, right? But he is still very much a leader in a sense. And then uh, Yoshimitsu is another. He's a fighter, but one reason why he's up there is because it was it was given to me by my fiance. But uh, it has the kanji for meditation on it, and uh, his character actually, whenever he's hurt, he meditates and he can regain his health. So he's in that position on the poster and has the kanji meditation on it. But um, aside from that, his his movement is is an inspiration for me for for like tricking and floor work and stuff like that. So I definitely try to put images, yeah, in front of me to to help me focus, if that makes sense, or at least have an, an idea or a general direction of what I hope to embody. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes I switch them out. For example, like before we came here, I had uh, I had posters from movies. Like uh, I actually had a Zadowichi, mm-hmm. Zadowichi uh, poster, a Bob Marley poster, and uh, Tyler Durden from Fight Club. So that's like a weird like <laughs> mix of like peaceful and, and you know a pacifist and yeah. borderline. Yeah, uh, yeah Zadowichi is a pacifist, right? And, and Durden is kind of like borderline anarchist, you know. And then you got Zadowichi who's borderline anarchist. <laughs> and then you Completely have insane and, uh, Zadowichi who's like you know a wandering. Yeah, swordsman. So it's kind of like images of of where I'm at, maybe, or or what I qualities of a of a person or of a of a thing that I like that I hope to take mm. along the way. So yeah, nice. Thank you for sharing. I I'm always <laughs> fascinated. Of what I don't need is any like a, I'm not collecting. I don't need new. Oh, I'll set up this. So it's like no, I don't need new processes or new things. <laughs> but I, I always find it interesting to see which people are attracted to or which people motivate themselves with like through visual mm-hmm. talismans or who people who do it by expression, you know, I, I just, I have to go dance or like, you know, there's different yeah, things yeah. that they do. It just gets just interesting to learn about how other people are inspired and motivated. Mm-hmm. Was there anything, this is the laziest question in the world, anything you were thinking of uh, leading up today, you're like, Oh, I hope I get to talk about and no is a legit answer. <laughs> well, actually kind of, because I wasn't sure what was going to happen before, but um, like the ability to create a space for yourself, whatever that means for you. I have a lot of people that like ask me questions on social media and stuff like that because they see where I train and they're like, where are you at? What do you like? What is that? You have like three targets. What do you like? Where's, yeah. can I come? Where's, you know, I get a no, lot of questions. You come, right? <laughs> yeah. Some of it's like inner sanctum. You got to be. Gotta be yeah. Go build your own space. <laughs> so, but like uh, the reason why I bring that up is because I I try to integrate integrate a lot of my training into my life, or at least in a way that it's it's something that I run into that I can then continue to to use. So, for example, I have in my office space I have a um, a ring hanging from a string, and that's used for anything. It's it's a pendulum. I can I can use it for empty hand movements or I can I can what I've been using it recently is for thrusting practice. Target practice. Yeah, right. being able to thrust into the ring without missing or doing it while it's moving and you know, hand eye coordination or like even the dummy or even further back into like my space. I have another little I have like pallets and stuff like that for parkour and targets for knife throwing and you know, so I, I feel like one thing I 
I was thinking about coming into this is, is hoping to inspire someone to start to create their space. And it doesn't have to be a space for like combat or yeah. something like that. It doesn't have to be a danger room like I try to make. <laughs> danger zone. Yeah. It can, it can be your own sanctuary, you know, whatever that means for you. So I think that was one of the things that I was thinking about coming into here is, is. Had you ever, before you started doing that, had you seen somebody else make a space? Like, did your mom do that? Or maybe you envisioned her garden as her space? I'm just yeah, wondering. Yeah, yeah, My, that, that definitely, gardening is definitely one of her, I guess, releases. I'm not sure if I would see her garden as her space. Actually, yeah. Seeing her outside is kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. That she, she looks at home, you know? I don't think there's anywhere in particular that really, you know, strikes me. There are a few instances. Um, I, his name, his name is, uh, I can't quite think of his name at the time, but um, there's a guy, he actually did a TED talk on what he called guerrilla gardening. And this idea of gardening wherever there's green space, despite what city planning has to say about it, basically. Mm-hmm. At um, night, I plant seeds. You don't notice. Next week, hey. <laughs> right, right. It's just like underutilized space. So that and then there have been cases where during my exploration, I've run into like places where skaters have like carved out a little section in this like alcove in the back that that is like um, designed for skating. Like they, they've used like ram. They like, designed it for skating, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Like random pieces of concrete or like bars and kind of like molded this little haven for themselves. So there, there are instances like that where I see that. And I think that's probably been processed subconsciously. But I've continued to do that. Like even before I had, we had this, this place, I was wandering into the woods near me and making a little din for myself, whether it's for training or for meditation and stuff like that. So there's at least like maybe three other spots in North Carolina, in the woods, in undisclosed locations that Christian has like made a little nesting spot out of, you know, just w- whether it's for training or whether it's for, you know, my own peace of mind. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that type of deal. Cool. <laughs> What's if that's not random enough? <laughs> you know, the whole, this whole project is random. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to come up with words for this one? This one feels all over the that's, place. Oh, that's not my problem. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 no, we got people for that. No, I try not to think. Oh, yeah. The, the first rule of like baking is don't like, yes, yeah, so I try not to think about what it's going to be when it's done. Cause then it's just like it's too many layers of thinking. It's just mm-hmm. like, let it, mm-hmm. let it happen. Yeah. You yeah. set all the pieces on the chessboard and you make the thing go and they all just like the fight happens. <laughs> yeah. What do you think if I'm trying to imagine, like most people would have been exposed to, you know, some, at least some samurai lore. Is there a martial art? And it doesn't, be one, doesn't have to be one that you, because what I'm thinking is you're probably going to say, I don't know shit about that, but an art that you've at least learned a little bit about that you think most people wouldn't have heard about or that, you know, would deserve to be heard about or... A martial art, per se? Yeah, well, it could be a weapon art. Like, like okay. the one thing I think of is, I think the thing that you threw in the movie reproduction, was it a knife or was it a rod? Because in the... In the yeah, it was a spike. It was so, a spike. So, yeah. And I'm like... 
Wait, spike throwing strikes me as being a little different. So I'm, like that, what I'm thinking is, mm-hmm. okay, if you've been sponging up this much different stuff, there, there may be like there are longbows standing in the corner over here. There, there may be an <laughs> yes, art, yes. and like, but people have probably seen, you know, archery. Mm-hmm. But maybe <laughs> if you haven't seen archery, what rock are you on? <laughs> but I'm just wondering if there's some art that you're thinking mm-hmm. uh, that you have seen that you really drew inspiration from that maybe other people hadn't heard of or seen. Never seen. It's not an easy question, I know. I, I'm, I'm like nice in the beginning, and then like in the th- in the third, <laughs> third, I'm just like, all right, the gloves are coming off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Take a real no, swing. I like it, I like it. Uh, um, no, yeah, it's, okay, so this isn't that, I guess, foreign to people, um, I guess a, a relative sense, like typically, but like ninjutsu, like I said before, I've drew inspiration from that type of history and lore, but the actual historical side of it, I feel like it's still very elusive. To a lot of people. So I have a lot of books and study a lot on my own just to try and understand it because it's one of those things that's been so shrouded in mystery and, and history. So dirt and shadow, you know, that has right, been right. covered in that you can't quite entirely understand the, the whole image of it. So I would say that is one art that despite what people think, I think a lot of people don't know about. They might think they know like ninjas throwing stars and right. assassinating people, but like it's not all you and that in fact that probably wasn't largely what it was about and a lot of that i think is yeah some people i feel like a lot a lot of people don't realize that or know that yeah weapons or any other tool i i love sh- like shuriken or things that are being right. thrown they're so there's it's such a huge palette of shapes and sizes and stuff like that that um i think many people think of shuriken as just a knife or just a a star right so things like spikes something as simple as like a hairpin that was a hairpin technically Technically. but like but things like that are kind of um you wouldn't think of them as something that could be weaponized like i've done a video with chopsticks like that's something that's something pretty simple or even like this isn't a fork but teaspoon or yeah spoon or fork or Things like that. The the idea or the philosophy, in my opinion, for shuriken shuriken jutsu is, it's it's for anything like like this phone. Yeah, my phone at you. Like if anything. I do it right, yeah. yeah. If I throw anything at you hard enough and it it's got some weight, it can it can facilitate what I needed to do. Whether that's mean to close the distance or get away. So I think that's another one that people don't quite completely understand or you know. Cool. Let's see what else springs to mind. I love that you're actually kind of aware of your superpower, like the sponge thing, because a lot of people really haven't given thought to what they're good at and what they're not good at. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people haven't given thought. Uh, let's just go fishing for really random things. If I give you a, if I could, if I could give you a plane ticket to anywhere in the world, uh, not necessarily for parkour or for just for any reason, whatever, where would you want to go, and and why would you want to go there? anywhere in the world so again my knee-jerk reaction is to say japan because of all that before right so yeah probably 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 japan there but that's the funny thing is there's a lot of other places that i'd want to go to is it cheating if i say those two no it's not cheating (laughs) it's just the questions just aimed Um, at like you know you're clearly very organized and you're very 
particular about picking and choosing what you do, which means you would also have a lot of things that you've chosen not to do. So like, there's no real reason, except maybe pandemic at the moment, there's no real reason that you can't just go to Japan because like, yeah, we have automatic visas, we're US citizens, off we go. So clearly you've chosen not to go to Japan. I'm not asking why, there's Mm -hmm. a pretty clear answer, especially for the last two years. So that's why, but just saying, where would you want to go with a plane ticket? Just gets you to like, show me some of the things that you've decided against. Okay. So, okay. So Japan is one. Not only just because of martial arts, but because of a lot of the just the artistry that their culture has to to offer. There's parts of Eastern Africa that I want to go to. Apparently, I, I have lineage from there. My mom did a genealogy thing, and aside from that, I've wanted to explore a lot of their food and their throwing weapons. Honestly, <laughs> it's I know it I'm sounds weird. Martial arts is a lot of the reason why I've explored a lot of things. But yeah, that's another one. Brazil for again martial arts and culture usually mar- and okay so this is kind of weird sensing a pattern here yeah so it's martial arts is like i feel like because it's such a like a, a thing that's ubiquitous you know through society every culture has fought each other right <laughs> right because of that you kind of get a certain amount of that culture even from the martial art like even though it's just about fighting for a lot of these arts you still get a lot of the spirit of a culture. Yeah, from a developed that. art has societal trappings yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so for example, like I just said, Japan and samurai and ninja, you know, those type of things. And then for Brazil, uh, capoeira right. and stuff like that. I've wanted to dabble in that and its connections to Africa, and then Africa and all the other things that don't probably don't get as much publicity. I've wanted to dive into that as well, but largely all of those are, if not for sightseeing, martial arts, and if not for martial arts, you know, culture, food. food yeah. Culture, food, I would, yeah. have you ever tried throwing food? I mean, like, like are there any foods that you could actually throw and they would be? Uh, I think if you threw some fruit, some fruit would pretty be pretty devastating. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm like noticing an, there's a like, bag of apples yeah, with arms yeah, reach. Yeah. I'm going down, <laughs> if you hear a thump. <laughs> like, uh, are you familiar with jackfruit? Oh God, that's yeah. a great one to throw in. <laughs> yeah, that'd be it's a softball with spikes. <laughs> be yeah. Horrible. Yeah, jackfruit and a couple other. I would just like to point out that I think if I ask most people that question, they just look at me like I was weird. Where you're like, "Well, yeah, I could throw an apple at you. I have one right here." <laughs> <laughs> More elucidation. All right. What about? I think there's some other thing. Movies we could probably do all day. We haven't actually mentioned any specific books. Are there any? Let's say that somebody is interested in taking up throwing throwing stars throwing knives are there any good resources where people could start to dig into that further like books or well books are that one like i don't know daily squad about that whole art so maybe Mm -hmm. books aren't the place to start maybe the place to start is with a series of youtube videos or or go look up a person or there are a ton of like tutorials on youtube if you're trying to throw like knives or even even like shuriken some of, of different sizes so i'm sure you could easily scour YouTube to find anybody. I've thought about making one myself because I've had people ask me. But aside from that, like I think there's a, what's it called? Japanese throwing weapons. There's a book called Japanese throwing weapons and it goes over like the different terminology and the shapes and typical sizes and the nature of it and the art that used it. And it's pretty, it's a pretty good book to start off if you're really trying to get into like a, like Japanese shuriken, like understanding that type, that side of shuriken. Oh. It's a pretty simple book. It comes with like a DVD too. It kind of explains a few things. Yeah. 
<laughs> which doubles as a throwing item. <laughs> right. um, but that's a good one. And then, yeah, there's a, there's a few other resources online that you could, could look up. It kind of depends on which I think you, what you're looking for out of it. But I would always start with something simple, like a basic tutorial on how to, like half spin. Like half spinning a knife is pretty, I'm not sure if you said you're not familiar, right? Yeah, I'm not familiar with So I, goodness, I usually teach people whenever I'm showing them how to throw with either what you call a bow shuriken, which is a, a spike, or a knife, and or something that could be seen as a knife, right? Usually with knife throwing, I teach throwing from the blade because it's usually a little bit easier to teach rotational as opposed to what we call no spin or anti-spin takes a little bit more time and then the bow shuriken it is it's a little bit more of a um it's it is no spin but it's a little bit more of a brushing motion more than it is a like a as if you're throwing something so i usually teach either one of those because i think it translates to helping you understand techniques later on yeah so i would if you wanted to start somewhere that's where i would say start has spin and with bow shuriken or spikes yeah i feel like i got off Nice. Off topic saying that, but. <laughs> no, it's not off topic. Yeah, the, the hardest part of conversations is trying to figure out how much I want to try and steer, which is as little as possible mm-hmm. to just let people go. But then sometimes from the other side, that, that gets a little weird. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I'm just like talking and you just keep looking at me. <laughs> like, yep, that's why we get paid the big bucks. <laughs> not. Uh, so, all right, I think I will just set like an hour and 20 minutes. I think I'll just say, and of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. He said this was coming and I'm still not ready. Hmm. Um, maybe insatiable <laughs> balance and exploration. That might be, that might be the words. In, insatiable. Let's say it again so I can see how they taste. <laughs> insatiable balance and exploration yeah i say all the time terrific those are three really good words and i (laughs) would really agree i i might have actually picked insatiable if i had been asked to pick three words for you those are really good and i think they do reflect the way you think about things the way you approach life so yeah thanks so much for taking the time it was my pleasure i appreciate it Mm -hmm. 